Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I walk into church. It was a Pentecostal church. I was shocked. They were, they were going for it. They were in it. Oh, they were, they were jumping around in the pews, jumping over the pews. And when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. So I thought, well, you know what? They jumping around. I'm going to jump around. Now I took my jacket off. I was like, hey, 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 man. Woo, praise the Lord. I'm running around the church and carrying on, and they carrying on too. And I had a good old time. When you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. But then there comes a time because the Bible says that everything should be done decent and what? In order. There comes a time where you need to get off the milk and start digesting the meat of the Word of God and start growing in the things of God and allowing the Spirit of God to teach you and lead you and guide you into this all truth. So you get past all of that initial reactionary type emotionalism when it comes to the spirit to the point where it's time for some me. Some of y'all are here even now today because you've been in places where you, it was just milk. And for the last five years, you've been getting milk. And now you look back on your life and you think, you know what? I am no stronger this year than I was five years ago. I don't know the word this year any more than I did five years ago because I've been drinking milk. The Bible says desire as newborn babes desire to send to your milk of the word of God that you might grow thereby. But then you need to get off of those rudimentary, rudimentary elements and begin to digest the meat of the word of God. And this is what the spirit of God has come to lead us and to teach us um, all things that Jesus said. We'll come back to this more when we get back to, the, to uh, our study in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to look at verse 14. Jesus said, when the spirit does come, he's going to glorify me. Don't y'all understand? Let me say this quick. The spirit's job is to glorify Jesus, not himself. When you leave a church and if you hear people saying, oh, didn't this happen to me for years? Oh, did you feel the spirit? Oh, the spirit of God. Oh, it's all over me. Oh, up my neck. Oh, the spirit. Oh, the spirit. What y'all learn in church? I don't know, but the spirit of God was just all over me. Listen, when you start hearing that kind of language, run for us, run. Okay, because the job of the Holy Spirit is to cause you to worship Jesus. 
The job of the Holy Spirit is to cause you to say Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. The job of the Holy Spirit is to point you to Jesus. Jesus said when the Spirit comes, he's going to glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it unto you. Chapter 16, we got to move forward. Look at verse 16, a little while. Verse 16, you looking at it? Say I'm looking at it. A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. And then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us a little while and you will not see me? And and again, a little while and you'll see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be, somebody help me, turn to joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. So listen, let's make this simple. Jesus uses the phrase, a little while, and you'll not see me. A little while, and you'll see me. We need to understand, listen, a little while to Jesus is different than a little while to us. When we think of a little while, we think of 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes tops. Yes, To Jesus, a little while could be 10, 15, 30, 2,000 years tops. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37 tells us, write it down. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Well, that was talking about 2,000 years. Now, listen, let me give you a freebie. Do you remember, listen, stay with me now, okay? I need you to turn your brain on and stay with me on this one. Do you remember in Luke chapter 4, Jesus had just came out of the wilderness in the spirit and he goes right into the synagogue. And the ruler of the synagogue, write it down, read the story yourself. The ruler of the synagogue hands Jesus the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. Jesus sat down, the Bible says, and he began to read from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to notice, comma. And then he stops there in Luke chapter 4, and he put the book down. Well, that verse in Isaiah chapter 61, 1 and 2, goes on to say... And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. So the account in Luke, scholars debate as to why Jesus stopped right in the middle of Scripture, because listen, as a rabbi, 
you never did that. You never stopped right in the middle of Scripture and just stopped. You just never did that. So scholars debate as to why Jesus stopped in the middle of Scripture and then gave the scroll back to the synagogue leader. Jesus said, the acceptable year of the Lord. Go back to that verse. Jesus said, the acceptable year of the Lord, comma, and then he stopped. Why? Because, listen, saints, listen to this. Because after the comma, the rest of verse 2 deals with a different era. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2, Bible students, listen, this one's for you. Isaiah chapter uh, 61, verse 1 and 2 is what we call a dispensational verse. You have two dispensations within this one verse. Before the comma, we are in the day of grace, the day of favor, the day of blessing. We're living before the comma right now in a time that God is withholding his judgment. Somebody once said, and I love this, we are living in Isaiah's comma. That's the time of grace. That's the time that you're living in right now. We are living in Isaiah's comma. But after the comma, then we have, and the day of vengeance of our God That is a different dispensation. That is a dispensation when God will come and he will judge and and vengeance will come uh, uh, upon the earth. Someone once said, this is the longest comma in history. It's 2,000 years long. When Jesus said a little while, you'll notice he says a little while and you'll not see me. Look at verse 16. And a little while, and you will see me. And then some of the disciples said, and us, what is he talking about? Verse 19, Jesus said, y'all talking about what I just said. A little while, you'll not see me. And a little while, and you will see me. I love that. Jesus knows exactly what you're thinking. Somebody needs to say amen. There's a lot of speculation concerning this statement. Some say a little while refers to the second coming. Some say a little while is talking about the resurrection, that they will see him after he rises from the grave. I believe, if you're taking notes, I believe this is a reference to the resurrection. Because after the resurrection, Jesus starts to talk about, or after this, Jesus starts to talk about their sorrow being turned to joy. In verse 20, Jesus says, you will weep and cry and the world will rejoice, but your sorrow will be turned to joy when he dies and rises again. Jesus says, sorrow, saints, I want you to watch this. Sorrows will be turned to joy. Jesus doesn't say He'll replace your sorrow with joy. He says, are y'all getting this? Your sorrow will be turned to joy. Why? Because Jesus knows and you know that this world, you'll have sorrow. This is, listen, listen, this is, listen, this is earth. This is not heaven. And on the earth, there is pain and suffering. So sorrow won't be replaced by joy. Our sorrow is transformed into joy. Psalm 30, 
verse 5, memory verse, weeping may endure, somebody help me, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, when you have the spirit of truth and you know whatever happens, God is in control and God is for us, we have all 7,800 promises of God in the Bible and all of those promises, if they are believed, will transform your sorrow into joy. And then Jesus illustrates sorrow turned to joy using a woman in labor. Look at verse 21. Are y'all still with me? Say amen. Jesus says, take a woman in labor, for example. She has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she doesn't remember the anguish for the joy of the baby born into the world. In other words, when those Braxton Hicks start coming, amen, Her mood changes. All of a sudden, the woman is unhappy. And when it's time to deliver, we all know this to be true. When a woman is delivering a baby, she turns into another woman. (laughs) Say amen. She turns into another woman, almost like poltergeist or something. She, She turns into another woman, doesn't she? Listen, dads, this one's for you. If you're a new dad, Going to be a dad, thinking about being a dad, talking about maybe y'all might want to be a dad sooner or later. Dad, remember these words. Listen, when she's delivering, I'm trying to help y'all. When she's delivering and you're in that delivering room, the word for the day is yes. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Just say yes to all statements, all comments, all questions. Just say yes, and she might let you live, all right? Jesus is making the point that the same baby that brings the mother pain is also the same baby that brings joy. And honestly, that's why a mother can have several children. It's not because of the pain. It's because of what happens after the pain or the joy. That's why when you go to the hospital and mommy has just had a baby, like give it like 20, 30 minutes. I'm a pastor. I get to get there early. All right. And she just had a baby 20, 30 minutes. And, and, and you and, and you say to her, you you say, uh, y'all think about having another baby. Y'all think about having another one. Y'all, have another one. y'all know y'all going to have another one. You have another one. And, she, and, she, and she'll look at you like 20, 30 minutes after having the baby. She go, oh, ain't no way in the world. Ain't no way in there. If he gonna have a baby, he gonna have somebody else. Cause he ain't gonna have no, uh, uh-uh. ain't no, <laughs> ain't gonna have, oh no, we ain't gonna have no, no way, no way we gonna have no baby. Why? Because of the pain that she just endured. But now give it a couple of two years, maybe after the baby start walking, little teeth come in. The baby start crying. Oh, the baby first had his first ice bucket challenge. <laughs> Uh, you know, oh, the baby, oh, give it about two years. You go, y'all going to have a baby? She go, well, I don't know. We thinking about it. I don't know. We, you know, we might. We've been, we've been talking about it. We, we might just do it. Why? Why? Why, why, why are the change? 
because during the anguish, during the delivery time, there's pain. But it's what follows the pain that's the joy, and that would be the child. Jesus, listen, is using the greatest possible illustration of human joy to illustrate how great the joy is when we believe out of our sorrow can come joy. Jesus says when he dies and they don't see him, it's going to hurt. It's going to be lonely. It's going to be a, it's going to be sorrow. But he says out of that sorrow will, be, will come the greatest joy possible. Just like a mother to give birth to a child. It's sorrow and painful. But in the end, it's the greatest joy possible that no one can take from you in verse 22. And here's a side note for you, Bible students. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Let us run the race with patience. Look at energy. Oh, y'all too quiet for me. Come on, read this with me. Let us run the race with patience. I need everybody to read it with me. Come on. Let us run the race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised and ashamed, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Notice who for the joy that was set before him. Do you think, look at me please. Do you think it was a joyous thing for Jesus to be hanging on that cross and have been beaten the way that he was beaten and nailed to the cross the way that he was nailed to the cross and spit upon and mocked by people? Do you think that that was a joy to him? That was not a joy to him. What was a joy to him, what was what is to follow that pain on that cross. The joy, he endured the cross. Not enjoyed the cross, endured the cross. Y'all help me. Endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy was you and me. The joy of it was, I got to go through this suffering right now on this cross but the joy that will follow will be the fact that you will be a Christian and 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 someday I'll be a Christian and millions and millions of Christians throughout the ages, people will give their lives to God and be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. People will come into the kingdom and know God. That's the joy that was set before him. That's the joy. And that's why he endured the cross. Listen, verse 23 and 24, I don't have that much to say. Look at verse 23 and 24. In that day is probably referring to the day when the Spirit will come and begin his ministry among the disciples. The day of Pentecost. The day when the Spirit comes. The day when your sorrow turns to joy. The day when I come to be with you that day. That word day can be used to describe an era or a period of time. For example, the day of the Lord or the day of Christ. But I believe this word day is talking about Pentecost, when the Spirit comes. Jesus says, that day you will ask me nothing. In other words, I won't be there to ask 
But it's the Spirit's job now to teach and to guide in the all truth. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to teach you all things and to bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have told you. Jesus says, fellas, when he comes, he's going to um, work in you and, 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 and he's going to be the resident truth teacher in you. And when he comes, watch this, you are going to become scholars. Scholars. You think so, Pastor? Oh, yeah, I think so. You read First and Second Timothy lately? That's scholarly work. Peter preaches his very first sermon. Keep in mind that the disciples, they were accused in, in Acts chapter 17 of being ignorant and unlearned, untrained, blue-collar workers. So how is it that these ignorant, untrained, blue-collar workers are being so mightily used of God? Peter was a big old fisherman. Peter probably was a big guy. I don't know why. Every time I see Tim Fontaine, I think of Peter. Don't tell your dad I said that. Uh, he's just big. Just, just big. Just Peter, he just, doesn't he mind you and Peter too? Good, we in this together, now you can't tell. <laughs> now you can't tell him. And it's just like, you know, just a big old fisherman guy, just love the Lord. That man loves the Lord. Loves the Lord. Tell him I said that. Loves the Lord. <laughs> loves the Lord. And Peter was a big old fisherman, but, but God used him. And then Peter preaches the first sermon in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, read it. He preaches and 3,000 people get saved. That sermon was so good, Peter probably blessed himself. Peter probably was like, you know what, that sermon was good. I blessed myself. I feel blessed. 3,000 people got saved, but I'm going to get saved again. I love it. It was good. It was awesome. God used him. And God will use you too. Just like God used me. I don't have a seminary degree. You know that. I've never been to cemetery. I mean seminary. Uh, that's why I call it. Nowadays, it's more like cemetery. That's another sermon. But you don't need to. I've had people come to me and say, I want to go to sem- seminary. And, and I say, why? Because I, I, I want to go into ministry. Listen, if you want to go into ministry, what you need to do is sit your tail down there. And can you say tail from the pulpit? Uh, I guess I just did. Huh? What you need to do is sit down and listen to some sound teaching of the word of God. Get yourself some books and begin to study and read and study and let God's word saturate your heart. And write thy word upon the tables of my heart that I sin not against you. And God will use you. You don't need to be a seminary cannot prepare you for this right here. I am telling you, you cannot prepare in class for what this pulpit holds. This pulpit requires God to call you, God to anoint you, God to send you, and God to appoint you to a certain service. Am I right about it? You can, this is one job you cannot prepare for. Can't do it. Can't happen. Y'all go to my Facebook profile and say what? It says school education. I put in there UHS. UHS, 
University of the Holy Spirit. That's where I went because God taught me everything I need to know. God has taught me his word and God will teach you his word and God will empower you like he's empowered so many millions and millions of other people that the spirit of God will truly lead you and teach you and guide you into all truth. Jesus says, you won't ask me anymore. He doesn't shut it down, though. He says, you'll be able to ask me, but now you need to ask in my name. Whatever you ask in my name, he's going to give you. In other words, because of Jesus' work, you have unlimited, undeniable access to him. Until now, verse 24, you haven't asked for anything in my name. Jesus saying, ask and you will receive that your joy may be filled. He says, go to the Father in his name and be persistent. And remember, in his name is in the nature and the character and what is consistent with the will of God and in the nature of God. Asking for things to consume them upon your flesh is not asking in Jesus' name. Asking in Jesus' name is, Father, I'm asking you to save my brother in Jesus' name. That's something that God wants to do. He'll do that. Jesus saying, you haven't asked but up until now. So now what he's doing with them is he's helping them to establish a different relationship because they had been working with him in the ministry for three and a half years. And if they had a question, they would just go to Jesus and ask him. Well, now they have a question. Now they got to go to the Holy Spirit. Now they got to go to prayer and, and say, in Jesus' name, they ask these things. And God said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. God promises to meet your every need, but he does not promise to meet your every greed. Am I right about that? He does not promise. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.